0: All right, all you geeks out there, you're going to be listening to, you know, the geek master, Trexan Sci-Fi. Here he is, my geeky husband.
1: Hello, faithful Trexan Sci-Fi listeners. This is Rico, and this will be podcast number 84 for November the 5th, 2006. Going to do a Star Wars-oriented show this week, which I think is going to be a nice change of pace. Got a lot of uh, listener contributions to add to the show, which will make it interesting. So let's get going. Today on Treks and Sci-Fi, we're going to explore the uh, two seasons of the Clone Wars animated Star Wars TV series that aired between episodes 2 and 3 of the Star Wars saga. I thought this would be an interesting change of pace, and I'm a big fan of uh, cartoons and animation, anime and that kind of thing, so let's look forward to that coming up soon. Well, hello everyone. As usual, I'd like to welcome everyone to the podcast. This is Rico, and uh, really want to uh, first off thank everyone for voting on Podcast Alley in the month of October for the and Sci-Fi Podcast. I had a kind of a call out to uh, some people that I knew, some forum members, and I was trying to get uh, the podcast in the top 100, which we uh, we, we succeeded. Uh, it was in like I think I had 91 on uh, on Halloween on October 31st, and I kind of made a uh, a promise that I was going to get my wife to do a little uh, segment on the podcast uh, with me very soon if I had uh, broken into the top 100 on Podcast Alley. And I will, uh, I I think I've got her uh, convinced to uh, to lend her voice to the internet and to the airwaves, but it won't be on this show. This show is going to be kind of cram packed with a lot of things. And also, she's got some shopping to do this morning. So we will be looking for her very soon, maybe uh, on a midweek show coming up or or possibly even next weekend. So look for that uh, soon. But again, thanks for everyone who voted. And hey, it's a new month in November, so feel free to vote for Trex and Sci-Fi again on Podcast Alley. Well, like I said at the beginning of the podcast this week, this is going to be a little different than the normal show. You know, mainly I focus on Star Trek uh, and some other sci-fi. I have done some Star Wars-oriented shows in the past, but not a lot. Uh, but I, I like to keep uh, the, this podcast sort of a, a little more general sci-fi. I still uh, probably with a with a heavy focus on Star Trek, because that's my uh, you know biggest favorite thing out there, I guess. And I've also, you know, when I first started the show... One of the uh, ideas and goals with uh, the podcast was to kind of keep Star Trek going uh, in this time of of no TV shows, no movies, and all that. Uh, I'd like to keep people interested in it and and just kind of give them a little uh, new info and a new take on things, keep them up on news, and give them some information on episodes they may not know about. But this week, I am going to be looking, like I said at the beginning, at the Clone Wars cartoon series, which... I really enjoyed. I thought it was uh, very unusual the way they did it, and we'll, we'll be talking about that soon here, but I, I just wanted to say, uh, I kind of coined a term, and maybe I didn't coin this, who knows, somebody else uh, may have said it in the past, but I like to consider myself kind of bi-sci-fi. Now, before all you people think I'm, a, I'm some kind of weirdo <laughs> or something out there, the The idea with that is, you know, there, there's sort of these two camps in sci-fi, uh fandom out there. there, They're the Star Wars fans and the Star Trek fans. Now, I have met and know uh, quite a few people that enjoy both. Myself is is one of those um, type of people, but there are a lot of people that are are really strongly Star Trek uh, fans or, or people that are strongly Star Wars fans. I tend to think in general that the real heavy Star Wars fans uh, are the ones that maybe aren't all that interested in Star Trek. I think Star Trek fans... In in, you know, this is in general, I think since Star Trek started before Star Wars, I think uh, some people that are into Trek are a little more, um, you know, kind of forgiving is maybe not the right word, or a little more interested in Star Wars than maybe the other way around. But anyway, I enjoy both of them greatly, and so I'm by sci fi. got some uh, nice listener contributions to the show, about four of them actually this week, which are going to be wonderful. I really enjoy those. If anyone also wants to contribute to the show, again, you can email me an audio comment at treksf at gmail.com or always call the voicemail line. Uh, It's area code 206-88-TREKS with an S on the end of it. Uh, The first comment here I'm going to play is from uh, a new member on the forums, Tricky Geek. Uh, This guy is from, uh, his name is Tim, he's from uh, the UK, and I'll let him take it away. Take it away now, Tim.
2: Hey there, Rico. How you doing? It's Tim here, Tricky Geek on the forums. I'm 34 years old, living with my wife and two kids, and I'm from Brighton on the south coast of the UK. I've listened to every one of your podcasts now, including the Betacast, since joining the forums just last month. I really enjoyed your podcast last week on the original episode of Simon Earth. It was a great episode, and I'm sure that if the Gary Seven series had been given the go-ahead, it would have made a pretty good series. Did I dream it, or was Steve McQueen penned in for the lead role? I've been a Star Trek fan since I was a young boy, and remember watching the reruns of the original series with my dad. It was a totally different program to anything else on television at that time. I really went crazy though for Star Trek when TNG started in 1987. As a 15 year old boy I couldn't get enough of the program and religiously taped and kept every episode. When I heard that they were making a new series with a French captain I wasn't impressed and doubted that it could be any good at all. But I watched Encounter at Farpoint and heard the motion picture soundtrack being used for its theme, and my faith was restored. I have loved your podcast since discovering it, and as well as being entertaining and informative, it's also made me appreciate the original series much more, and I'm now watching the entire run on the Sci-Fi channel, but they're not showing the enhanced version over here. I've enjoyed them even more now, having learnt different bits and pieces of trivia from your show. Thank you Rico for your brilliant podcast. I love sci-fi in general and like listening to your thoughts and opinions on other shows in the genre. I'm looking forward to season 3 of Battlestar Galactica, probably the best science fiction show at the moment. And since hearing your recent Skype show, I really want to see Heroes. That show sounds terrific. Let's hope that the powers that be over here give it a chance and show it soon. Keep up the good work mate, live long and prosper, Trekkie Geek.
1: Thanks very much, Tim, for uh, a great uh, audio comment. Uh, I really appreciate it. Always great to hear from uh, friends overseas. I, I visited London uh, with my wife uh, several years ago and really enjoyed it. So uh, you have a great country, and I really, uh, really like uh, everything over there. So uh, thanks again for your comments. Yeah, the, um, the you know when TNG started, I, I of course being a big fan of the original series, I also had my doubts a little bit at first that they could sort of recapture that magic, but. Once it really gets swinging into the you know second third seasons, and I you know my doubts were erased as well. Same thing with Battlestar Galactica actually when it started. I I was a little so so on it when it first got going. The the miniseries didn't really really do it for me, but once the main series season one started on the new uh, Battlestar Galactica by Ron Moore, I was I was completely hooked. Like you said. Uh, I really think it's probably the best sci-fi show on, on TV currently, by far, and it's just a great TV show in general. I think one of the things Ron Moore is trying to do on that show is is give it a broad appeal. You know, the the sci-fi elements are, are really kind of played down. It's not it's it's more of a drama than anything else. So, uh, again, thanks for your comments, uh, Tim. There's a uh, not a whole lot going on. I looked at the Sci-Fi Wire and Sci-Fi News areas uh, this week. Uh, you know They had another Battlestar episode, which was good, and Heroes is continuing to be good. Jericho is, is still pretty good, although I'm still not nearly as much of a fan of that as as the other shows, uh, especially Heroes and, and Battlestar, of course. Smallville has begun again, which I'm enjoying. Uh, I, th- I I don't know, this season seems a little weaker than the past. I, I have a feeling this could be the last season of Smallville, but uh, I'm still enjoying it. I, I've always been a comic fan, like I've said many times, and, and the Superman uh, character, I thought they'd They've done a great job on that show as well. I guess there was uh, also an article floating around that William Shatner, our our own Captain Kirk, uh, did have a long discussion with J.J. Abrams about the new Star Trek uh, movie, and it's looking more and more like the storyline is going to focus on a young Kirk and Spock. uh, And I guess uh, Shatner and J.J. talked for a while about the movie, and there's still possibilities that Shatner and, and or Nimoy might make some cameos perhaps in the movie. They're still finishing up the script. Expected to be filmed in mid, maybe summer 2007, and probably come out late in 2008. At least that's my latest uh, information on the next Star Trek movie. That's the that's the plan right now. And JJ Abrams is also still trying to decide whether he wants to direct the film or not. Uh, I could kind of go either way. I mean, I think he's a pretty good director. I think he did a pretty good job on the last Mission Impossible movie. But I actually think that it might be better if he found another uh, director with uh, to work with because I think he's going to have his hands full just working on the production itself, casting, producing the movie, and all that. So, JJ, good luck, uh, and uh, I'll keep everyone posted out there on any latest tidbits and news on the uh, on the upcoming Star Trek movie. I've got one more uh, audio from a listener that I wanted to play before we get into the main topic, which is the Clone Wars cartoon series. This is from uh, Joby, uh, who's uh, contributed to the show a couple times before. Joby did a uh, review on the new, uh, I think it's a DS Lite and a PSP game. I think it's on PSP also. It's for the uh, uh, the new Star Trek uh, Tactical Assault, is what it's called, uh, a game that came out uh, about a, maybe about a week ago. So I'll turn it over to Joby. Uh, Joby with his review of this new handheld Star Trek game.
3: Hi Rico, hi Treks and Sci Fi gamers. This is Joby Drone from the Treks and Sci Fi forums and I'm talking to you today about Star Trek Tactical Assault, the new video game released for the Nintendo DS recently. This is a space combat simulator shooter and uh, it's a pretty fun game. Uh, Got everything you might expect to find in a Star Trek uh, video game. Uh, you got your warp drive, you got your scanners, your phasers, your photons. The game takes place during the Star Trek timeline, right after Star Trek: Six, the Undiscovered Country. So the Kinnamar records have just occurred, but there's a lot of Klingons that don't necessarily agree with the peace treaty. So you find most of your enemies are Klingon dissidents, some space pirates, some other types of ships you wind up fighting, too. You start the game in a uh, freighter-class vessel, and as you progress through their missions, you get more powerful ships and eventually wind up in a constant Constitution-class starship. Basically, uh, you go out and you conduct missions... Uh, And, uh, you almost always wind up in combat with ships, uh, you gotta blow them up and then head back and get your performance graded, uh, and based on how you do in your missions, you get upgrade points, uh, with which you can use to update your crew members, uh, so, like, as you upgrade your weapons officer, your, you know, photons get more efficient and that kind of thing. Um... The uh, Nintendo DS is not a real powerful system, so those of you who are expecting a you know, really uh, feast for the eyes or something like that, you're not going to get that here. This basically looks like a Super Nintendo game. Uh, but it's portable, okay? So it's for the Nintendo DS. What do you expect? Um, where this game really shines is with the use of the Nintendo DS touchscreen and stylus. You control every element of this game from the touchscreen. Uh, uh, you know, shift shift between the different ship systems uh, and control your phasers, control your photons uh, steer the ship speed up the ship, everything is done through the touch screen if you want or you can use the buttons and the face pad and the directional pad, all that uh, but if you use your imagination you can really feel like you're sitting there at the Star Trek computer uh, you know, running your fingers along the computer using the touch screen, it's pretty cool that's definitely the best part of the game as far as I'm concerned the worst part is the missions are extremely repetitive uh basically they're all the same you go out and you get into combat and then you're done uh now there's a, a federation set of missions and then as you finish that you unlock a klingon set of missions so i haven't gotten there yet but i'm kind of going to play through looking forward to getting in the bird of prey and having a cloaking device and more powerful weapons uh, there's also wireless multiplayer play if you have another player with the game, I think it's only single card play so everyone has to have their own game uh, but you can play head to head, there's no use of the Nintendo Wi-Fi uh, wireless internet service so that's an unfortunate thing uh, overall I'd say this game gets about a 7 out of 10 um it definitely has a Star Trek feel to it. You can tell that this game was designed from the ground up with Star Trek in mind. It's not just your generic space game with the Star Trek skin. Uh-huh. So for those of you that really love Star Trek video games, you're going to pick this game up and enjoy it. Otherwise, I'd say, uh, you know, take it or leave it. Uh, so that's my review. Uh, back to you, Rico.
1: Well, thanks, Joby, for that uh, great review of the tactical assault game. The um, yeah, I was thinking of picking that up. I do have a DS uh, Lite, which I enjoy. Uh, it's a great system. I have Some great games out for it, and maybe I'll throw that uh, that game on my Christmas list. Uh, it might be good for that. I'm kind of the biggest thing I'm disappointed in hearing is that it doesn't have uh, you can't like hook up wirelessly with opponents over the internet like some of the other DS Lite games. Or DS games, I should say, and play against other players. That, I think, would have been the, uh, a really big selling point. Obviously, that's a lot more programming and, and things they would have had to put into the game, but that would have definitely put it over the top for me as a must buy if you could play against other players, you know, fire against each other in sort of a quick skirmish combat mode. But oh well, that's. Uh, they do have, of course, the Star Trek Legacy game coming out in another couple of weeks here, at least in the States. And this is this this is the big Star Trek game, really, for the holiday season. This is the one that's going to be on all the big systems, the Xbox 360, and the PC also. And this is the one that they uh, in, they got a hold of everyone, all the captains uh, from all the series: Avery Brooks, Kate Mulgrew, Shatner, uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Scott Bakula. I think also. I'm pretty sure about that, at least. Anyway, they got all of them to do voices for this uh, game for um, Star Trek Legacy. And that's going to be coming out, like I said, in a few weeks. It got a little delayed, but it still should be out by the end of November. Excuse me. Slobbering over my words again today. Slobbering? <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's it for the gaming segment of Treks and Cypher. We don't usually touch on that a lot, but of course with new Star Trek games and you know maybe Star Wars games, when those comes out, come out. I'll learn how to talk one of these days. <laughs> when, when new games like that come out, we'll try to hit on those and talk about them a little bit on the show. Next up, the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars are a major event in the history of the Star Wars universe. And uh, obviously because it's a war, there's a lot of action and a lot of adventure and a lot of things going on. But in the films, we don't really get to deal with that very much. We kind of start the Clone War in one episode. We end it in the next episode, but we never actually see the war. Um, and so uh, by doing the animated series, it was a great opportunity to fill in some of the blanks in the middle where you get to deal with the adventures of the war and all the things that went on during the war because obviously that's a very fertile ground for exciting storytelling.
4: The response from the first 20 has been really positive. I think everybody just complained about how short they were. Uh, I got a phone call that George wanted to talk to me and he, he had, they had this idea because they wanted to do more, but he wanted it to tie in directly into episode 3.
1: Well, that of course was our good, uh, good Uncle George Lucas talking about the Clone Wars animated series. To give you a little bit of background, uh, first up, I, I want to say, like I don't always say, but of course this is always important. If, if people out there that are listening to the podcast have not seen the Clone Wars animated series, the two uh, seasons that they've done so far, I'm going to talk about those, of course, today on the podcast, but. Keep in mind, I am going to talk about things that happen in the, in the podcast, or in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, that happen in these episodes and in the series that will be, I guess, spoilers. Let's just say. And if you haven't seen the shows, if that bothers you, you might not want to listen to this podcast until you've had a chance to see the animated series. If that doesn't really bother you, and I think they're still worth seeing, even even after you know some of these things, uh, just keep listening. So there we go. Get that uh, disclaimer, I guess, out of the way. Now, the Clone Wars. Like uh, George Lucas said there at the beginning, and the other voice speaking was, uh, I don't know how you say this guy's first name. It's Gendy Tartakovsky, something like that. I, he worked on uh, another animated show called Samurai Jack, which was a very stylish, uh, kind of an anime-feel animated series. He, he's a real good uh, uh, guy that does this kind of stuff, and George uh, admired his work and grabbed him to do the Clone Wars cartoon series. Yeah, his first name is Gen- Genndy. I think it's Gennady, G-E-N-N-D-Y. So anyway, he's he's the guy that basically pulled all this together for the Clone Wars animated series. As George said, this series was meant to bridge the gap between Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Keep in mind that a couple of years have gone by, uh, at least between those two films, until you um, get a chance to continue with... uh, Sorry, I got interrupted there for a second... Till you get a chance to see what happens. Uh, the only way you get the chance to do that is in the animated series. Now, George has always said that he's not he was not interested in that much in showing the, the actual war, which, again, this cartoon series was giving him a perfect opportunity. He could show kind of what happened, some of the things that happened to Anakin, Obi-Wan, and all that, without having to put that up on screen to get some more of the, the heart of the characters and what happens to Anakin in Episode 3 and everything. So he he had this idea to to do this bridging gap uh, series of cartoon episodes to sort of show uh, what happened. Now the first Clone War series started in uh, started airing at the beginning of November in two thousand and three, about a year or so after Attack of the Clones came out, and it ran for twenty episodes. They were. Uh, they ran about one, uh, one uh, uh, well, not a week. They were they, they, sort of spread them out over a period of a few months, ran into 2004, the first 20, uh, 20 episodes. But the uh, one of the things George really wanted to do with these was make them very short. They were only like three minutes long, and I think there's a comment in one of these audio clips I'm going to play for you. Where one of the guys basically said George thought of them as only like small commercials. They wouldn't even air sort of as a regular show. They would sort of air in between shows. But he had this idea to keep him very stylistic, very limited dialogue a lot of times. Some episodes have very little dialogue at all. Just a lot of action, almost like an animated movie or a comic book with, uh, with very little uh, talking going on, just, just action. Which, of course, Star Wars is, is great at just doing action. So uh, that was the plan, at least, with the first 20 episodes. I'm going to cover both series, both seasons. The second uh, set, uh, were longer... Were about well anywhere between ten and fifteen minutes. I guess about twelve or thirteen minutes long, and there were only five of those. So they both totaled up to about an hour worth of viewing. But I think in the the second season, where they were longer episodes, you had a little more story involvement and a little more uh, yeah, just just a little more plot going on than you do in the first series. I'm going to start playing some uh, some of the clips from the season one of the Clone Wars. Let's see the first one. That I have is just an opening bit where Yoda's kind of talking about uh, the Clone Wars and what's going on. One thing I have to mention: one of the uh, things that's a little different you'll notice from some of these dialogue clips that uh, basically none of the actors that that were in the movies did the voice acting on the you know recorded their voices for the animated series. Not really sure why, especially uh, since a lot of these people live out in the you know California Hollywood area. Uh, maybe somebody who's listening to this podcast uh, can tell me maybe it was just a money thing, maybe it was a timing thing, but they got a lot of different people to do the voices for the characters, and I think in general, they do a pretty good job with it. They match the voices pretty well. I think the guy do, who does Obi-Wan, especially who's doing like Ewan McGregor's voice, does a really good job, but it's not uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh, the guy who's playing Anakin, mm, I'm not really as big a fan of his voice for the character, uh, but anyway, the uh, oh the one exception to this, I believe, is are the droids. Uh, C three PO is still played by Anthony Daniels, and R two, of course, is played by the computer uh, or Ben Burt or whatever. But uh, anyway, so uh, let's get on with it. Uh, the first clip here again. This is sort of an opening of the episode, first episode of the Clone Wars series, with Yoda talking about the uh, the current state of things. <sighs> I'd fire
5: across the galaxy, the Clone War spread. In league with the wicked Count Dooku, more and more planets slip. This threat upon the Jedi Knights falls the duty to lead the newly formed army of the Republic. And as the heat of war grows, so too grows the prowess of one most gifted student of the Force.
1: Yes, that gifted student, of course, is Anakin, who goes through quite a bit in the Clone Wars series. Uh, you really get, I think, a good sense from watching these uh, these animated shorts of what's happening to him through the war and why he kind of gets into the state and the current frame of mind he's in by the time Episode 3 comes along. The A little comment about the, these audio clips. It was very difficult, especially with Season 1, with these short episodes, which were very visual, very little dialogue. It was very hard to collect some audio clips from these episodes to give you a sense of what's going on. Most of it's just action with great sound effects, of course, and music and everything like that, which Star Wars is just just great at. Um, one thing I was just thinking about as I was listening to that, uh, maybe uh, a lot of people that listen to the podcast already know about this, but they did some radio dramas of the original Star Wars trilogy: Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. They did uh, these audio shows that were. Played originally on NPR radio and eventually released, uh, I've got a a full box CD set of all these audio dramas. And for anyone that's interested in in kind of old-time radio shows, these shows that they did for NPR are great. Uh, Even if you know the movies and Star Wars very well, there's a lot of little background things thrown in. They have whole uh, episodes of these that you didn't see on, on the screen And I I urge everyone, I'm not sure if they're still in print, but I'm sure you can find them on eBay, maybe check Amazon. But the the audio dramas of Star Wars from the original trilogy are just super. So go look for those uh, if you're interested in in some good radio drama. Because I think Star Wars is something that you can really uh, use your imagination and and, uh, kind of put yourself in in the scene and and know what's going on just by listening to the, the music, the effects, and the dialogue. The next uh, clip that I got to play for you, uh, basically Obi Wan and Anakin are into the Clone Wars, and they're they're fighting off, uh, you know, the the bad guys. And there's a little quick clip at the beginning in the Chancellor's office uh, about Anakin and what he should be doing with, you know, during this time. He's still a Padawan. He's still learning from Obi Wan. So listen to this clip,
6: Master. I know you don't think I'm ready for a command of my own. But I am the best pilot in the Order. Chancellor Palpatine knows it. I don't know why you can't... St- Padawan, your skills have never been in question. It is your maturity. I've argued this before, but the decision has been made. May the Force be with you,
1: Commander. Well, I'm sorry. That, that clip is just after the scene in the Chancellor's office. This, uh... They've decided uh, to send Anakin out to lead a squadron, and all he's uh, he's been made a commander. And Obi Wan's not too happy about it. So you got the little whiny Annie there, who's who's you know trying to be the the big hero guy, but he's uh, he's really not quite ready for it, frankly, and it, it it causes him some problems. One of the neat things about these Clone Wars cartoons is they introduce some new characters, new characters to the Star Wars universe, and there is a. Um, an evil woman uh, named Asaje Ventress. I'm not sure if exactly if that's the right way to say that. You know, some of these Star Wars names, except for you know Skywalker and Obi Wan, are a little difficult. But her, she's she wields two lightsabers. She has some Jedi skills. She knows the Force, and she basically shows up on Dooku's doorstep to sort of offer herself as his sort of apprentice. And she she's got a lot of skill but of course he he's really um, she's you know she thinks she's already a Sith but he's kind of puts her in her place and they have a little lightsaber fight and all that uh, but she's a real interesting character you don't really see her in the movies ever but she sent uh, her her I, the idea here is with her character she she's sent after Anakin to kill Anakin even though the emperor really thinks there's no way she's gonna be able to do that but it's in order to sort of push him over maybe to the dark side a little bit and and we'll get to that more in a few minutes. But here's a clip with uh, Duku and Ventress.
5: It would not be so easy to defeat a Sith.
0: So finish it.
5: We have other plans. Have you been watching, Master? I have indeed, Lord Tyrannus. The child's skill with a lightsaber are most impressive. You have found a promising disciple, my apprentice. She shall serve us well.
4: I am honored.
5: Let me introduce my master, the true Lord of the Sith, Darth Sidious. What is your bidding? A Jedi named Anakin Skywalker. You will find him for us and eliminate him. Jedi...
4: Their order is a fading light in the dark Corrupt and arrogant They must be punished The Jedi shall fall
5: Consider this a gift She will be more than a match for young Skywalker It matters not she is merely an instrument to bring forth the eradication of the Jedi.
1: The uh, character of Azjay, uh, Azaj, i should just try to stop saying that. Just call her Ventress. That's easier. Ventress uh, is real interesting. She's real evil, nasty-looking, uh, black. Uh, I mean, all these, all these Sith people always wear dark, don't they? Anyway she's, she's good with these two lightsabers. Duku destroys her two lightsabers, presents her with a, a, a new set of, of dueling lightsabers which are now of course red because of course everyone knows Sith only wield red bladed uh, lightsabers unlike the blue and green that she first shows up with and she's sent after Anakin to, uh, to try to kill him even though you know like the emperor says there she's just an instrument to try to bring bring about the downfall of, downfall of the Jedi and to sort of mess things up and disrupt them. Now, a lot of uh, what takes place, there's some very cool action scenes out in space with uh, Anakin flying around, just doing some amazing things. You know, the I can't say enough good things about the action. You know, these little three-minute segments, uh, Gennady, when he did these shows, he really crammed a lot into the, in a short period of time, and it really shows. There's a lot of good clone trooper action, fighting the... Uh, the droid armies and everything like that. There's there's some really cool space scenes, and it, there's just some really neat things that happen in this series. One of the uh, one of the things I'm just trying to picking out highlights of each of these seasons. I've got to get through the rest of the first season, and then we'll get into the second. But there's a um, there's a little bit of Padme who goes to this planet called Ilum. There's a couple of Jedi there, um, Sophie and who's the other one again? I'm forgetting her name. Illuminare, I think yes. Anyway, they're on there. There are some crystals that are used in lightsabers that they're collecting or getting because I think one of them is a Padawan and needs to make her own lightsaber. Is the way it's going? Well, they they get they get hurt, they get attacked, and Yoda and Padme go off to rescue them on the planet called Ilum. The the important uh, thing here, at least for uh, fans and collectors out there, is this created the. What's known in the vernacular of Star Wars, the Snow Bunny Padme outfit. She's wearing this sort of white little outfit with a hoodie uh, and everything uh, in this uh, part of the Clone Wars series. And uh, Gentle Giant created a a small statue, eh, that's about eight inches or so, I think, give or take, of this character, Snow Bunny Padme. And this is a... it was very... There weren't a lot of them made, and they had some problems with some of them uh, damaged and broken and things because of the delicate, small nature of the character and the small size of the statue. Anyway, this item has gone on eBay for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, even though it originally only sold for, I think, about 80 or $90. And it's it's a very sought-after collector item. And that, that uh, character and that look was just from this Clone Wars series, never seen on screen. So you can see how this expanded universe of the Clone Wars really... Uh, creates uh, a lot more money for Uncle George I think uh, anyway uh, but this next clip is with uh, Yoda and Padme on Ilum so listen to this I
5: have a bad feeling about this Master Yoda has been gone far too long I should have never let him go alone
6: He's a Jedi master my lady He's quite capable of handling whatever may be out there
5: Master Yoda did assure you he would contact you if he required help <laughs> Travelling alone in a blizzard on an uncharted planet is commonplace for a Jedi, but not a senator. Miss Padme is safer where she is. 3PO is right, R2. I'll
6: run a diagnostic on the communication array. This weather's been giving us some low-band interference.
5: R2, does this weather affect your sensors? Not in the slightest. Oh, so he says... Good. I'm going to look for Master Yoda. Alone? No. You two will accompany me.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah, the voice they got for for Padme, I think they did a pretty good job. She sounds a little younger there, maybe, than she does uh, in the the movies. But uh, that's uh, I like that episode of the of the series where they're on Elam and Yoda's there in the snow. You know, Hoth was always a really cool part of uh, the... The Star Wars uh, original trilogy and Empire Strikes Back. There's something I don't know about the snow planets that are kind of cool. I think And her outfit, of course, the snow bunny outfit uh, that's white to sort of blend into the snow, and that uh, is is neat. And it's sort of reminiscent, of course, of Princess Leia's outfit when they were on Hoth. You know, she was all in white there, and of course, she's all in white on uh, in, in a New Hope for a lot of it in that white gown that she wears. You know, Star Wars has always been about the light and the dark side, the white and, and the black. You know, the dark, the bad guys wear black and the good people wear white generally. Luke's pretty much in a in a light-colored outfit in the first Star Wars movie and everything. So getting off a little bit onto a tangent. Uh, so we're about to wrap up the first season of the Clone Wars series. Again, 20 episodes, about three minutes each. And this all leads up to uh, two main things that happened in the last uh, couple of episodes. One, Anakin uh, has a very cool lightsaber fight with uh, Ventress on sort of a jungle planet. They're hopping through the trees and, and lots of cool stuff going on there. And they eventually fight each other uh, and, and Ventress, of course, has to lose because we know Anakin does not lose. He goes on to to um, to become Vader in Revenge of the Sith, of course. But, they, you know, the... The neat thing I think they were trying to bring out in this episode was, and I'm going to play a clip of, of that scene. Although there's not a lot of dialogue, you just have to just sort of imagine they're they're fighting. Uh, what happens is Anakin's saber gets uh, knocked out of his hand, and he he grabs, he uses his mechanical hand to uh, sort of squeeze the the arm and wrist of uh, Ventress to, to drop, make her drop one of her lightsabers. You know, she's got two red lightsabers, and she, you know, Anakin grabs one of those makes her drop one, grabs it, lifts it up with the force, which is pretty cool, and then uses that, her own lightsaber, one of her own lightsabers, to defeat her. But the, he has to, you know, I think that they were trying to show that he gets really angry in this fight, that in order for, for him to, at this point in his training to beat her, he calls upon the you know the dark side, hate, anger, all those bad things, you know. And that, that was what they were trying to show, that Anakin is, is still a little immature, and he, he wants to be... You know this hero. He wants to be so good and do these things, except he's not really ready for it, and he has to, of course, go to to anger and hate and aggression to defeat Ventress, and that's what this uh, this part showed. The other character that they introduced at the very end of the first season is the character, of course, the droid general General Grievous, who uh, who plays uh, a pretty big role in the second season, which we'll talk about here in a couple minutes, but. uh, he has a scene in the last episode. I don't have any real clip from that because it's kind of visual, but he defeats a bunch of Jedi pretty much on his own and is only defeated when a, a group of reinforcements show up of uh, clones to help the Jedi out. So he's pretty good, and, and that's why it was kind of kind of cool in a way and, and not so cool, the fact that uh, when Grievous shows up and Obi-Wan defeats him in, in the last Star Wars film... You know, his character uh, really should have been better than that. We, you know, should have given Obi Wan a little bit more of a fight. I think it was a pretty good fight, but in, in the Clone Wars series, he's uh, he's a pretty bad character. So here's that clip with um, the scene with Anakin fighting uh, Ventress and defeating her. Uh, that's Anakin uh, screaming out in the jungle as Ventress falls, falls down this, uh, what appears to be sort of a bottomless pit shaft, and he's screaming in victory. He's, he's pretty, uh, pretty worked up. So anyway, that's the first season of the Clone Wars uh, series. I wanted to say these are all, uh, both out on, on DVDs, great, uh, great stuff to pick up if you're a Star Wars fan and love animation. Definitely worth grabbing. Uh, grabbing these, I think you might even be able to buy them in a two edition set, which with both seasons together now. But I'm not sure on that. I bought them individually, uh, one one DVD with some behind the scenes, some cool behind the scenes stuff on each uh, disc. I'm going to take a quick little break here, and then I'm going to come back with season two of Clone Wars.
0: Hi, this is Len from Job on Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookies? Because I love Wookiees.
1: Okay, I'm back. Now, that was, uh, that was a look at the first uh, season, 20 episodes, about three minutes each. Some were a little bit longer uh, towards the end of Clone Wars, the animated series, the Star Wars uh, series to bridge the gap between episodes two and three of the Star Wars saga. The, the third season was only five episodes, but they were significantly longer. Even though George wanted uh, short episodes to begin with, he allowed them to make longer episodes in the second season of the Clone Wars series. Try to give them a little more plot, a little more info. And the big thing about this uh, part was there was a lot more grievous, and a lot of what goes on in the second season is directly leading up to the way uh, episode three opens up with you know the Chancellor being kidnapped and... All that and Anakin and Obi Wan growing a little more distant and everything that's associated with that. This uh, this really leads up really well, right directly into the or right before the the episode three starts, and it's very good to watch. And then just watch episode three. You learn even why uh, Grievous kind of coughs at the very end of the, the second season of Clone Wars. Mace Windu uses the Mace Windu uses the Force on Grievous, kind of. Throws him across the, away and kind of crushes in his, his chest area just a little bit, and it causes him uh, some problems in breathing and that. And at least that's the animated explanation of why Grievous has that cough in Episode 3. The story I've always heard was they wanted to give him a sort of a weird voice. George Lucas at the time. When they were working on that, had a really bad cough and some kind of an illness or cold or something, and they recorded that cough. So the cough that you hear Grievous using in episode three is good old Uncle George's cough, and uh, that they recorded and you know changed it a little bit. But that's uh, that's at least the production end of it on on the animated series. They tried to give you an explanation, and that was because of Mace Windu. At the very end uh, of the Clone Wars second season, he he has a little bit of a battle. Short one, because Grievous runs away with the Chancellor, but uh, Mace gets a chance to damage him a little bit. The first uh, audio clip that I'm going to play for you from the second season is, uh, this is a little different. There is a scene with uh, Anakin as a small boy uh, talking to Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, of course, who's kind of dead now at this point. And I guess it's supposed to be sort of a dream that Anakin's having, something like that. But it's a scene very reminiscent of the Empire Strikes Back scene of Luke and the tree on Dagobah. Uh, here the scene is with uh, Anakin and Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon's sell- telling Anakin all about this tree. You need to go in there and all that. Well, I'll play the clip for you, and you know what I'm talking about.
5: Did you hear
4: that, Master Qui-Gon?
5: Yes, Anakin. It calls to you. The tree? Yes. You must enter it. Alone. I'm afraid, Master. Control your fear. You are the chosen one. And you must be tested.
4: What's in there?
5: Only what you take with you. Your final test is at hand. Trust in the Force.
1: I thought that was a real interesting scene there. You know, the, the little hump at the end is Yoda, and I guess maybe they're trying to show you that that's uh, Yoda's vision of either the past, the you know, whatever, of, of what may have happened with Anakin. Maybe that was a discussion that Anakin and Qui-Gon had when he was still alive, perhaps. I don't know. Interesting scene, though, I thought. The next clip. The next clip is, there's a scene early in um, the second season where it's uh, Padme and Anakin... On Coruscant, uh, where they're kind of they're, they're having these brief little meetings with the Clone Wars going on. You know, Obi Wan and Anakin will run off and do some kind of a mission or something, and they'll come back. And at this time, of course, Anakin and uh, Padme are still trying to hide the fact that they're married and in love and all that, because the Jedi are not supposed to do that kind of stuff. Of course. Well, there's a, a short scene where they uh, meet in sort of an alleyway on Coruscant when he gets back from a mission, and I wanted to play that for you now. I'm tired
6: of all this. Our love should not be hidden like it's some kind of immoral thing.
5: Annie, you're almost a Jedi Knight, and then...
6: And then what? Jedis aren't supposed to be married. It doesn't matter.
5: It does matter. We knew it would be like this. Perhaps things can change after the war, but for now, the Republic needs you. And in the shadows of Coruscant, or any other city, and most importantly in my heart, I will always love you.
1: You do look really good in the dark, Yeah, it's a, that's a a nice scene. You know, some people thought, always thought that the dialogue, you know, in episode three between Anakin and Padme was kind of bad and and all that. But I, you know, there, even though the dialogue is 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 maybe a little rough, I think it's important. You know, George was always George Lucas was trying to show that that Anakin's really kind of a tragic character. That that really his downfall is that he loves uh, Padme so much that he, he, he's willing to do anything to try to save her there's a vision even in here of of uh leading up to what he sees in the revenge of the sith of, of padme dying and and he he just can't live with that and that that's really why he does everything he does in episode three even though yeah he goes a little on the extreme side i'd say but uh it's he's uh he's still just kind of messed up but uh let's uh, let's move on there was a um in this uh, cartoon series, they got a chance to do some things and show things that they don't get a chance to do in the movies. And one of the really cool scenes, I thought, was there's a scene where Anakin is dubbed and becomes a Jedi Knight. Remember, he's just a Padawan uh, still with Obi-Wan. He's still uh, in training. And everything that happens in the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan convinces him, really, he he's a Jedi Knight. He, he's done everything he needs to do. He's, he's met all these trials successfully. And... There's a scene where they're in this dark sort of chamber, probably in the Jedi Temple, where all of the Jedi that are at least uh, there at the time uh, are in a circle surrounding uh, Anakin, and they all raise their lightsabers, and, and Yoda does this little, uh, you know, I dub you a Jedi Knight, uh, which I'm going to play this clip for you uh, in a second, and he uses his lightsaber, and he, and he cuts off Anakin's little long braid, which indicates he's a Padawan, but he cuts it off so he's not a Padawan anymore. I really thought that was a neat scene. It would have been neat to see that in the film somehow, but uh, of course, again, George wanted to get to the main thrust of Revenge of the Sith, which was Anakin's downfall. But this clip I will play for you, and it, it's a really neat scene. Step forward, Padawan.
5: Anakin Skywalker, by the right of the council, by the will of of the Force, dub the I do, Jedi, Knight of the Republic.
1: Yeah, I liked uh, like that scene. It's a uh, it's a really neat thing to see uh, on on the uh, in the cartoon and. Uh, like the like the idea it, it was very a uh, uh, very you know medieval knights kind of, of almost of the round table ish feeling they're all surrounding him raise up their swords their lightsabers and and Yoda even you know does the little shoulder almost touch you know you don't want to touch somebody's shoulder with a lightsaber blade but comes close to it and then Anakin's made a Jedi knight uh, with all that that goes with that and that of course he you know he's a full Jedi knight in Revenge of the Sith, and he's he's definitely a lot more confident in command in that movie than in Attack of the Clones, where he's still a Padawan. Well, with Ventress dead, uh, Dooku's looking around for a new apprentice, and basically he finds that in, in the character of General Grievous. There's a scene where Grievous and Dooku are fighting. Uh, you know, if you remember from Revenge of the Sith, Grievous is pretty darn good. He's this mechanical, partially organic. Being and he, you know, he's got all these lightsabers in each of his hands, and he's fighting Dooku. And Dooku's just this old guy, very strong in the Force, with one lightsaber. And just like Obi Wan does in Revenge of the Sith, Dooku really has no trouble keeping uh, Grievous away from him because uh, Grievous is a machine, and he he. Well, you listen to this clip I'm going to play for you. He doesn't really fight uh, the, the right way. He fights too mechanical, too predictable. And, and Dooku, of course, with the Force. Can kind of see those things coming to some degree and he can he can fight him very easily and that's uh, what he's trying to, you know, they're going through a little training scene here with uh, Dooku and Grievous so I'll play that for you
5: Hmm, a new one
1: Your training has served me well.
5: <laughs> it has awarded me many trophies Don't let your pursuit of trinkets cloud your reality. Remember what I taught you, General. If you are to succeed in combat against the best of the Jedi... You must have fear, surprise, and intimidation on your side. For if any one element is lacking, it would be best for you to retreat. You must break them before you engage them. Only then will you ensure victory and have your trophy. Wise counsel, my apprentice. Most wise. My master. Report, General. What news from the front? The strategy is working perfectly, my lord. The Jedi and their forces are stretched thin across the Outer Rim worlds in a vain attempt to contain our new offensive. Good, good. Now is the time to strike. Now is the time to launch our final operation. Is everything ready for your special mission? Yes, Lord Sidious. The unsuspecting fools know not what awaits.
1: Well, towards the end of the second season of The Clone Wars, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are on this planet called Nelvan, and there are some creatures, some beings on the planet that are sort of enslaved by this device that Anakin has to slip in and destroy. And in the process, he he loses his um, the mechanical arm uh, or forearm and hand that he was given after his fight with Dooku in Attack of the Clones, he loses that. He has to put his arm through this sort of energy field to destroy this crystal thing, and and these creatures are then freed from uh, the control and and are are left to rejoin their people, and and everyone's all one big happy family. It's kind of an Ewokish kind of Return of the Jedi situation in a way because these sort of. These creatures are, are live in trees, and there's even a little music here on this clip I'm going to play. That it's a lot like at the end of Return of the Jedi. But the uh, another important, or the important part about this is again, Anakin has to sort of give in to anger and aggression and all that to to get the uh, to do what he needs to do here. He kills again, and it's um, it's leading him further and further down the dark path, I guess. Is so. Excuse me. Let me uh, let me play that clip for you now
6: you've done a great thing for these people well done anakin but tell me more of your experience in the cave i listened to the mother just as the shaman said i was shown a vision do you think they'll be able to reclaim their old lives i sense they will as long as each of them is willing to accept himself
1: Capture anything of the of the Jedi fighting Grievous and Grievous slipping in to uh, take the Chancellor away. Uh, again, keep in mind that that whole scene and everything there was just one big setup. You know uh, that um, Grievous kidnapping the the Chancellor, uh, even though that the Chancellor is Sidious and he wants that to happen. He wants to pull in Anakin and and make Anakin come in and have to fight Dooku like he does at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith in order to become uh, uh, the uh, excuse me, Sidious's new apprentice, Kill Dooku. The Sith are only always two like that. You have the master and the apprentice. So it's one big elaborate scheme and plan on the Chancellor's part. But he's being sort of kidnapped, and he, you know, Grievous, uh, General Grievous, fights a few Jedi, kills some, and he gets away with um, the Chancellor. The last clip here that I'm going to play from the actual episodes is a scene at the very end of the the whole thing where uh, Anakin's working on fixing his uh, his messed-up uh, mechanical arm, puts on a new one, puts on that black glove that he wears in Revenge of the Sith, and this kind of rounds and ends up the, the end of the series. So listen to this.
6: No, R2. There are things that are far more painful. You weren't in the med lab. I thought I might find you here. We're just finishing up. See? Good as new. Anakin... The most difficult trial a Jedi must face is to look inside oneself. Often we see things we don't like, but these aspects are not set in stone. It is our decisions that shape our destinies. An urgent message from Coruscant. Patch it through.
5: Kenobi, Skywalker. Coruscant is under siege, and General Grievous has abducted the Supreme Chancellor. You must return immediately. You must rescue Palpatine.
6: Grievous. Battle stations! All crews to their fighters! Prepare to jump into hyperspace! Move!
1: That ends the Clone Wars second season. The This one was um, about a year, happened between or took place between the airing of season one and two. And this one was showing or showed in the spring of 2005, which led right up into the premiere of Revenge of the Sith in the theater. So that was a neat thing. I think they did a really wonderful job on this. I love the animation, I love everything about both of these series. The only probably thing I would have wished for is that they had gotten some more people from the the movie, the actors, to do the voices, but I think this still, like I said, they did a good job with it. I wanted to play um got a couple minute audio clip here of uh Kennedy Tartakovsky I'm sorry, I'm slaughtering his name probably still, but this is a little of his commentary on the second season of Clone Wars, which I pulled off of the uh, the DVD of that set, some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff and discussion. So listen to this, and I'll be right back.
4: One of the things that I really focused on from the first season to the second was I wanted it to feel like Star Wars. And so I really concerned myself with getting the feel right. Like you're watching it, and you forget that it's a cartoon. And you just believe that it's Anakin, it's Obi-Wan, it's Yoda. You believe those are the characters.
0: Initially with the, the first series, they originally were supposed to be commercials. Lucasfilm themselves, they decided that they would only be a little longer, so they became longer episodes. But we weren't able to tell a lot of story. It was mostly just action. With the advent of the second series, we actually were able to tell an actual fairly long story, more like a movie, like an animated movie.
4: I mean, the thing about doing doing Star Wars is that it's the story. And the story coming from George, not just something we made up. And now going into this, all of a sudden, it's still Clone Wars, but it's the ending of the Clone Wars. They
0: wanted us to do more of what we had done because it was so successful, but at the same time, they wanted us to actually do the crawl from the opening of the film. So it became more a real part of Star Wars. We had to show Palpatine being kidnapped. We had to have... Anakin and Obi-Wan
3: away from the planet in the Outer Rim territories. In our heads, we're already formulating what we want to see. Just by the nature of those few words, there's a big battle above Coruscant. And, you know, remnants of Return of the Jedi and what they pull off of Return of the Jedi are still in your head and, you know, all that. So we got that chance to play with the Battle of Coruscant, and we started figuring out that what it is, it's just a big ruse. We actually put that in the cartoon a little bit, because we just couldn't wrap our heads around the fact that there'd be this big attack. but. The temple is fine and the Senate is fine. So we, we kind of came up with this whole thing. We have Mace and Yoda discover it. Strange is the enemy strategy. A
5: massive invasion, but no attempt to take the temple or Senate. Unless an elaborate distraction. To hide their primary objective.
4: property Some of the, the look evolved very kind of naturally in order. And we got a lot of photographs and reference for what the new vehicles were going to be in episode 3. And they were all hybrids between the TIE fighter and between the X-Wing fighter. And you could tell this is the bridging machinery. So we kind of followed along with that and we made our clone troopers look similar to Stormtroopers, and And everything started to kind of fall into place and everything's starting to look like a new hope. We wanted to almost treat it like one big three-hour movie, including Revenge of the Sith and what we did. So we started to enhance all those parts in the movie that maybe you didn't have time for.
1: Yeah, look for uh, a lot more information and behind-the-scenes the uh, discussion on both the Clone Wars Season 1 and Season 2 DVD set. I hope everyone has enjoyed this look at uh, the Clone Wars animated series. I, I thought it was a fun fun group of uh, episodes, really interesting. It really bridges the gap well between the, the second and third films, the, the two prequel movies, uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And I really enjoy, like I said, animated movies. And, and this has a very stylized look at things. And the it's real, it's just good. It's good stuff. And if you like uh, animation and if you like Star Wars, definitely take a look at these if you have never had a chance to. They originally showed on the Cartoon Network. And a lot of people don't have that channel or may not have seen them. So pick them up and take a look. Uh, really worth watching. And uh, I am also uh, wanted to say that they are of course going to continue and do more Clone Wars animated series uh, episodes, and they're supposed to be in 3D. And this is being, you know, the beginning work is being done on it. I'm not sure where they're at currently. I don't. I think we're at least a year out still before these will start showing up. Uh, maybe somebody else, if you've got more info on that, send me an email. But uh, they do. Uh, they do plan on more episodes, and this will be uh, pretty cool to see. So again, thanks, uh, and I going to play now a comment this is from uh, jedi jeff on the forums and his commentary and and discussion a little bit about uh, it's it's fairly short a little less than a minute long but his commentary on the clone wars animated series and then i'll come back and wrap up the show for this week
0: hi rico this is jeff jedi jeff on the forums a quick comment on the clone wars cartoons i really enjoyed these cartoons they were a great lead-up to episode three and filled in a lot of the backstory on Palpatine and Grievous. I also enjoyed seeing some of the other Jedi in action, such as Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, Luminara and Dolly, and Baris Offee. Even though the cartoon exaggerated their powers quite a bit, it was great to see them in action. As well as seeing the IG droids and Dirge on Munalist made for a great segment. I would also like to thank you for your review of Assignment Earth last week. It was one of the most unique Star Trek episodes, and one I always enjoy to watch. Your insights and comments made for a very great podcast.
1: Thanks. Thanks very much for that uh, commentary on the Clone Wars, Jeff. Uh, I really appreciate it, and thanks for your comments on the Assignment Earth episode. Seems like a lot of people enjoyed that one. I've always uh, found that Star Trek episode good. So, so this uh, this week's podcast went a little longer than than normal, but not too bad. I think I'm not going to really try to slide any collectible discussion here. I do have a, a listener a review of an, uh, a really cool Star Wars action figure, which will probably slide into the next podcast. I th- was trying to get it in here, but I think we're going to uh, wrap things up for this week. Again, uh, I hope for the people that enjoy Star Wars, this has been an enjoyable podcast. Hopefully, if you're if you're one of those more Star Trek fans out there that listen to the show, you still enjoyed this and and gave it a shot. Uh, Clone Wars, really, really good stuff, really worth uh, seeing. And I'm glad they're going to do some more. Uh, in the future. And as far as the future of the podcast, next week I think we're going to be hitting uh, a, another Star Trek episode, probably something from, it'll either be TNG or maybe Deep Space Nine, not sure which which yet, uh, possibly even Voyager. I'll, uh, I'll probably be getting a couple of ideas together for that this week, and maybe I'll post something up to let people know what I'm going to be discussing, take a look at the main website for that. The last comment I wanted to make, there is a very cool... Um, group out there called Warp 11. They have this sort of Star Trek-oriented rock band that do a lot of songs related to uh, Star Trek, uh, the original series mainly, and, and some of the other Star Trek series. Uh, Dukin on the forums uh, first clued me in on this, uh, so thanks, Dukan. although I think I've heard about them in the past. But I didn't realize they had three full CDs out of music, and they even have a video uh if you search for Warp 11 on YouTube, there's a video of them out, and I posted it on the main website, so check that out. It's it's a really, really neat video, especially for Star Trek fans. I'm going to play a little bit of their song that they use in the video called She Make It So, which is a little play on the, the Picard saying, Make It So, uh, number one, make it so. Uh, but I'm going to play a little of that music at the very end here to sort of uh, take us out of the podcast. So until next time thanks for listening everyone I really appreciated this Rico signing off for this week and here is Warp 11 and a little bit of their song Make It So or She Make It So excuse me take care everybody bye bye
4: well, she got older.